0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Browncroft. Uh, for the, those of you who are here with us and those of you who are online, we're so glad to have you here with us this morning, especially for you guys that are here. Come on, you guys deserve a hand. You, you made it on, uh, yeah, you made it on the toughest day of the year to make it into the early service. So there you go. Way to go, everybody. Way to go. You've done it. Um, great to have you here. We're in the middle of a series Called a firm foundation. Actually, this series has been going on for ten weeks. For those of you who have been here, hasn't Rob done a great job with this series? Um, he really has, and and uh, he's handed the baton to me for the last couple of weeks. And uh, so today we are going to be talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. Now, I don't know about you. Some of you have grown up around church your whole life, right? Some of you uh, have not. Um, And some of us, even if we have grown up around church for our whole lives, the Holy Spirit is kind of this fuzzy thing that we aren't really sure what the Holy Spirit means, what the Holy Spirit does. I know for me, as I've said before, I was a pastor's kid, right? But I never it really fully comprehended the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't think we can fully, first of all, comprehend the Holy Spirit. But I had this really vague understanding of the Holy Spirit. As a kid of the 80s, my interpretation of what the Holy Spirit was, was the force from Star Wars. That's how I interpreted the Holy Spirit. So, like, if I didn't want to have, if I wasn't allowed to have cookies or something like that, you know, please, Holy Spirit, these cookies are not the cookies that you're looking for. You know, I just, I, that, that was kind of the extent of my understanding of, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, thankfully, the Bible talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, so much as a matter of fact that if we were to truly go into all of it, I mean, we could take a year on this and not even scratch the surface, okay? So, Beware, I'm not going to cover everything this morning, but um, I'm going to start with, like we have been doing, our articles of the faith. I'm going to read what our church uh, says we believe about the Holy Spirit, and we'll take it from there. It says this, We believe that all who receive by faith the Lord Jesus Christ are born again of the Spirit and thereby become children of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and preserved unto the day of redemption. Okay, let me break this down into three words that I, as I look at this passage, I think describe the Holy Spirit from from our article of faith here, okay? First of all, it is uh, personal, personal. The Holy Spirit is personal. It's not the, he is not the force. He is not an it. He is personal. He is a, a personal being who interacts with our lives in a very real way. Okay, second of all, the Holy Spirit is present with us. So when we say yes, and surrender our lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to be in control of my life. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Now, this is mind-boggling, okay? This is mind-bending, and it should kind of make our, ourselves go like, wow, this is amazing. The same Spirit that was alive with Jesus is now alive inside of us. Whoa, that's a game-changer right there. And the final thing, I think, as I I look at our articles of faith that I say um, about the Holy Spirit is he's permanent. He takes residence in our lives, and he's this permanent presence ensuring that we will get to our eternal destiny one day. Now, I'm not going to cover all of those in in this talk this morning. I'm just going to center in on one of those. And that's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What does it mean? How should it impact our lives if the Holy Spirit is really present in our lives? What will that look like? Thankfully, Jesus actually gives us a lot of hints toward this, and Jesus speaks a ton about the Holy Spirit in his earthly ministry. Um, And we're going to look at a passage in John 7, one of the biographies of Jesus, if you will, in the Bible. And let me set up a little bit of the background to this passage for you. It's at a a festival in Israel called the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, For us, we don't really necessarily know what that means, but but imagine this. It's kind of like Thanksgiving meets a camping trip, okay? That's how I frame it in my mind. It's this festival that occurs at the end of the growing season, And it's a way for the community of Israel to say to God, thank you for all that you've provided for us, not only now, but in our past. They they reflected back on their time wandering through the desert and how God had provided for them in that environment as well. And so the the reason why it's kind of like a camping trip is they would set up these temporary shelters. For an entire week, they would live out of these temporary shelters and they would kind of have this Thanksgiving festival that was happening at the same time. Now, one of these days of the festival, the priests would go down to a local pool and they would get water from this pool and they would march it up to the temple in this ceremony and they would pour out water from this pool onto the altar in the temple. And it was a symbol of... of Thankfulness to God for the life that he had provided over the course of that year. It's under these circumstances that Jesus stands up in the middle of this ceremony and says these words John 7, 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Okay, so for us, it's really easy to glance over this. Because we live in a society where you can turn on the water, right? and water comes out. This morning I had a drink of water. I didn't worry about whether water was actually gonna come out of the faucet or not, right? I actually got a shower this morning, like many of us here. Um, You don't have to identify if you didn't. But I didn't worry if there was gonna be water coming out of the shower head this morning. I I just didn't even think about that, right? Um, Back in this society though, that was not true. Water was a symbol Of life. Water was a symbol of life. Without water, nothing can grow, you couldn't live, there wasn't the dependability of switching on a faucet and taking care of everything. And so, when Jesus, the invitation from Jesus is really to experience life. Now, when he says living water, there's a specific nuance to that as well. in the in the Israel at the time there were different ways of collecting water. The first was kind of the lowest grade. It was collecting water and it was called cisterns. Rainwater would come down and you would collect rainwater in cisterns. Now, that was good temporarily, but after a while things got funky with rainwater in a cistern, right? You didn't want to drink out of that after a while. Then there were lakes and in little sources of water that maybe had a stream that was feeding them or, a, or a, a spring that was feeding them, that was the next best. But the ultimate quality of water, what was called living water, which was like a stream or a river. You know how when you watch a river, it's always moving and it continues to move? That was the source of living water. And what Jesus is describing here is this source of life within us that continues to feed us and feed us and grow within us and becomes our source of life that flows within us and flows out of us. That's what he's describing here. So my question, naturally, I approach this passage, right? I go, why don't I experience Jesus this way a lot of times? Why don't I often experience this living water within me? Um, I think here's the problem as I've thought about it in my own life, and maybe you can identify this. I think we all search for life outside of the source of life. We all search for life apart from the source of life. Let me break down a little bit of what that means. When I think about when I am tempted not to rely on the Holy Spirit in my life, but to rely on other things, I think of those times in my life when I am searching for a couple of things, either comfort or control. Comfort or control. You know, when you're hurting, when you're in the midst of hurt and pain, some of you are here this morning and, and you, you're experiencing this right now, you, you want something that will be an immediate comfort for you in the midst of hurt. You just want to kind of make that pain go away. And that's understandable. That's what we all try to do. Um, the Holy Spirit is called our comforter. He's that deepest level, but we often, we often go to other things for that comfort apart from him and control. We all want control of life, right? I mean, we all want a sense of, like, I know what's going to happen next. But in our world, this has just become less and less of a reality, hasn't it? I mean, both of these things, comfort and control. I mean, think about it. Two years ago, this very week, the whole world shut down for us, right? Two years and for some of us we thought that was going to be 2 weeks that turned into 2 months and now we think wow holy cow what have we just been through and we're looking back a lot of us have lost loved ones during this time some of us have lost our jobs some of us have have lost just meaningful relationships in our lives. The list goes on and on. What we've experienced over these last couple of years has been very, very intense. Not to mention the societal things that we've gone through, like the racial kind of reckoning that we experience as a society. Not to not to even mention, as we're coming out of this, now we're like, there's a huge war taking place and we're like, where's this thing gonna end? And so all of us in the midst of this season especially are tempted to look for comfort and control apart from going to the Holy Spirit in our lives. All of us, me included. Uh, the, the Bible talks more about this. Paul, in his... Uh, letter to a church in Galatia it's called there's a book of the bible called Galatians uh, written to this church who was really struggling with what does it mean to live out the christian life how how do we how do we do this well right they, there were false teachers coming in teaching them they had to do things this way that way and and Paul writes this letter to this church to explain what the christian life is all about and Galatians 5 16 to 26 is where we're just going to... I'm just going to highlight a couple other things here for you this morning. Galatians 5, 16 to 18 says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so you don't do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit you are not under the law. Okay, so Paul gets into a little more detail here with us on the two things that we can experience in life. One is living by our flesh. That doesn't mean our skin and bones. That means like our our natural desires as human beings, what we're all like, we all crave to follow our own desires, our own way of life, or we can live by the power of the Spirit. Let me go back to that water analogy that, I, that Jesus used here and I referenced before. Um, a few years ago, I was watching a documentary about water on PBS because I'm old. That's why I was doing that. Um, and I found it fascinating. And I heard this story about the Aral Sea. Have you guys heard about the Aral Sea? This is a, quite a fascinating story. Anyway, former Soviet Union... In the 1960s, the, the Soviet Union decided we need to actually have clothes for our people and we don't have cotton here. So we need to figure out a way to, to make cotton. Well, there's this huge sea. Um, fourth largest lake in the entire world is the, was the Aral Sea. It happened to be between Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan four times the size of our very own Lake Ontario, okay? So if you go over to Lake Ontario, you look across it, you try to see Toronto or look over to try to see Watertown, and you imagine four times the distance between all of those places, that's what we're talking about with this huge sea. And they said, you know what? It wouldn't hurt to kind of divert a little bit of this water coming in to the Aral Sea from this river. We'll just take that water and we'll divert it other places, and this sea was just a thriving place of life. It, fishermen were making enormous amounts of money off a of living, you know, using this, this sea. Well, here's an image for you to, to look at. The first one is from 1989, and this is still a couple decades after this had happened, right? The second is, I think, 2014 when this was taken. One of the greatest environmental disasters of the last century was that all of this water that was diverted ended up making a very thriving sea into a barren wasteland. What ended up happening is there's hard... If you were to go there today, that is basically all covered with salt and is an uninhabitable place for life. I'd like just to reflect on that image for a moment, because for some of us, you know, the Holy Spirit has come into our lives, and, and when he did, we were this vibrant, vibrant place of life, right? And we were experiencing him in new ways, and it was exciting for that to be a part of our lives. But over time, maybe we've put up barriers in our life, and we've gotten to the place where we've said, you know what? I kind of want to do my own thing rather than follow him. And then the result for us, oftentimes when we've done that, is this is the feeling that we get inside of our lives. Well, what leads us to this place? What leads us there? Paul goes on in Galatians and he talks about it. What does it look like to live in the flesh? Says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, Sexual immorality, that's the root word where we get pornography from. It's this overarching um, word that basically means any type of sexual fulfillment outside of a husband and wife in marriage. That's what this overarching term means. You say, John, I don't like that. Yeah, I I know. I didn't make it up. It's there. Um, Impurity, debauchery, that just means wild parties is what that means idolatry. In other words, putting anything in the place of God that isn't God himself. And that can be even good things like our jobs, right? Our families, whatever it is, we can put other things in the place of God. In witchcraft, people think, that's not me. I don't have to worry about the witchcraft. I don't wear one of those pointy hats. Uh, the, the, The root word here of witchcraft is actually where we get the word pharmacy from. Really interesting because people would go to these places for kind of like mind altering drugs in order to, you know, cope with whatever they were dealing with. And so um, it's basically the root, the, the idea here is, is using drugs to escape from reality kind of a deal. Hatred, discord, gossip, maybe even there. Jealousy. You know, it's kind of tough to go online on a Facebook or Instagram or whatever and not experience just a little bit of jealousy these days. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, climbing the corporate ladder, right? Dissensions, you know, separated relationships with each other, factions, envy, Pinterest, Um, drunkenness, basically any kind of excess in our lives. Orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does Paul mean by that last phrase? It isn't necessarily that if you've messed up in one of these areas, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. But it's like if you continue to live in this way, you got to question is the Holy Spirit really at work in your life or not? Is he really there? Because if he is, he's going to start calling out some of that stuff inside of our lives. Let me show you a video here as an illustration from somebody in our church who has really walked through this. His name is Ben. And when you hear Ben's story, I don't necessarily want you to just hear what he has gone through. The fact of the matter is, on that list that I read, right, all of us have something on that list, (laughs) all of us, if not multiple things, that we will run to in our own flesh to cope with the pain to try to to try to get control of our life as well. And so I want you to think about what is it that I run to for comfort? What is it that I run to for control in my life as you hear
1: Ben talk about his experience? Let's watch. That vulnerable time in your life, when you're transitioning from high school to college, it's easy to start using things like alcohol to enjoy your life. If you keep on having success, then it doesn't seem like there's any consequences to your actions. If you're in denial of sin, you know, at that time in my life, I was in denial of my sin. I thought that I could, you know, that was my, my human arrogance, was that I can make it all work. I really found out my true interests in college. Video production, um, how to use my creativity in constructive ways, but I still kind of had this dark space in my life, this place where I could go address my emotions with alcohol or weed. I tried lots of other drugs in college, whether it was psychedelic or something to get you going. One thing that was going on with me was just a kind of a deep, a deep anger. An anger about my own life, why aren't things working out for me? Why don't I have the relationships that I want? Why aren't I romantically involved? Why isn't my body perfect or chiseled? Deep inside of me, I just had a a lot of pain and rage about what I was seeing in the world and things that I was unhappy about in my own life. The world is so flawed. I'm angry about it. I'm just going to go get messed up. And that will solve it for today. It got to the point where Wednesday through Sunday or Wednesday through Saturday was just kind of a blur. That cycle, continuing over long periods of time, is extremely negative. That's when it becomes like a habitual or eventually it became an addiction. You know, a six pack isn't enough anymore. And you have to go to the 12-pack, or you have to get the 18-pack just because in case you go over the 12 a little bit, and well then you'll have the the couple more for tomorrow. One of the first weeks I came, Peter Englert got up on the stage in in between the worship songs and prayed for young people that were having problems with cocaine and marijuana. At first, you can tell yourself that all these little things aren't God, but then you realize that there's so many of them, that this is God working in your life, and those things began to build up. Something that was always true throughout this process and became more and more clear as I walked closer to God was that every time I moved an inch towards God, God would leap a mile back towards me. He would bring, bring things back to me tenfold in encouragement, in blessings, in insights. Even a year ago, I wouldn't have believed that God could do this. Through believing and walking with him and, and his grace and mercy, it did happen. And he took me from the greatest darkness that I've ever known and experienced into his light. And I'm excited to keep going in that direction.
0: I love that story from Ben. Because it paints a picture of both sides of this for us. On the first side is living in the flesh. And unless you'd understand the depth of the bad news, you won't experience the beauty of the good news, right? And, and the flesh is always crying out for more. I love how Ben described it, right? A six-pack turned into a 12-pack, and maybe just an 18, just in case you have a couple left over for the next day, right? Some of us know what that's like, whether that's reality with alcohol or something else in our life it always the flesh is always crying out for more right but then there's this hope on the other side and there's the hope that the spirit brings us and i love how he phrased it every time i moved an inch toward god he leaped a mile toward me isn't that beautiful that's the that's a definition that's a description of the holy spirit at work within our lives now This is something that's biblically woven throughout the Bible as well. Rob has kind of mentioned both of these things, but if you think about it, in the very beginning, there's this vision of people planted in a garden by a tree that's fed by a river, okay? The very beginning, in the first couple chapters of the Bible, you have this this picture. At the very end, Rob mentioned this last week, the very end of the Bible you have this other picture where finally, last chapter of the Bible of Revelation, there's a tree that's fed by a river that's bringing life to the world. And in the meantime, we live caught between two gardens. And here is the weird thing. We are actually the garden in the meantime. Between those two gardens... We get to experience the garden and live it out. Here's how Paul describes it in this passage. He says this in Galatians 5, 22 to 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And self control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. Here's how I would describe that message to us The Christian life is not about trying, it's about relying. The Christian life is not about trying, it's about relying. Relying on that spirit who is at work within us. That's the beautiful part about this. It isn't about earning our salvation, it's about living out who God has already created us to be. I have a tough time with this, okay, so I'm not going to, I'm going to admit that to you right off the bat. Um... I go back to my old ways of thinking all the time. But I remember when this hit me in a fresh way. It was about 10 years ago, actually, and um, we were with a bunch of college students in Montana, and a couple of guys invited me to go on a hike with them up on this mountain right behind where we were staying. And my son was five or six at the time, and he said, Dad, I want to go with you. And I said, okay cool, bud, let's go. So, uh, you know, he's walking at first, 50 yards in. He goes, dad, put me on your shoulders. I said, "Mm, okay. (laughs) So I put him on my shoulders, right? And we're hiking up this mountain. It's hard. You know, I'm like out of breath. Elevation already. I'm going to give it to the elevation. But it was elevation and we're just Going hard up this mountain, right? And the guys who we were with, they were being really gracious. They were kind of hanging back. Then they'd go further. Then they'd kind of hang back a little bit. Then they'd go further. We finally made it up to this meadow. And there were more mountains up ahead. And uh, I was like, oh, we made it here. Holy cow. And the guys hung back for a little bit. Then they said, hey, we're going to go hike up this other mountain over here. I'm like, cool, dude. Ah, That's great. Uh, I'm going to hang here with the boy. We're going to have a great time. And uh, we sat on a log together. The the image is so vivid in my mind. I can remember we were eating granola bars and we were watching ants together. (laughs) I mean, that's how vivid this thing is in my mind, right? And my son looks at me and he says, Dad, I want to climb that mountain. And I said to him, Bud, no. <laughs> said, we've had enough for today. And he said, Dad, no, I want to climb that mountain. And I said, Bud, no. I, I, you're, someday, Bud, but not, not today. You're not, you're not quite old enough to do that yet. And then he looked at me, and he said words that would really dramatically change even the way I viewed God. He said, Dad, but on your shoulders I can do anything. And it hit me in that moment, as I was sitting there, the faith of this kid, right? On your shoulders, I can do anything. And I realized that's what I want my life with God to be. Not about striving, not about trying on my own effort, but about keeping step with the spirit and relying on him to produce the good fruit in my life. Imagine if we as a congregation were to be about that, relying on the Spirit to produce the work in our lives that we can't produce on our own. How would that transform us and then transform our community at large? That's the the thing I dream about together. But in order to do that, we have to put aside our selfish ways of operating and honestly, our ways of coping with hurt with pain, and for seeking control. And so for the next minute, what I would invite us to do is just take a moment and search our hearts together. Ask God, God, where are the ways that I am trying to cope with life right now? Where am I seeking comfort and control apart from your spirit at work within me? And really think about that and confess that to him. And then afterwards, I'll lead us in a prayer of, of really surrender to the Spirit. But let's take a moment to pause and to reflect on that in our own lives first. Father, we come to you right now. We confess that many of us here are hurting. And we're trying to find comfort. We're trying to find control of our lives in ways apart from you and your spirit that work within us. So for those here who might not have experienced jesus at all before lord i pray that they would this morning surrender their lives to him lord that your spirit would meet them in a fresh way in their life that they would surrender and say jesus here is my life here is everything i trust your spirit to come and fill me right now i turn from my way of doing things and i i I surrender myself to you And Lord, there's some of us here who who have made that decision with our lives, but Lord, we've blocked your spirit from having that influence in our lives in the way that that you intend. So we turn from those things, Lord, and we say, Spirit, in this moment, fill us. We cannot live the Christian life apart from you. We refuse to rely on our own effort anymore. We rely on you. Would you fill us? Would you allow us to experience you in the ways that maybe even we used to? Lord, would you bring us back to a vibrant relationship with you, full of life and full of hope? Thank you, Spirit, that you're our comforter. We trust in you this morning. In your name, amen.